0: I'm Simon Johnston.
1: And I'm Vanessa Schmagara.
0: And this is Icons of Relocation, an industry-leading podcast encompassing every aspect you could ever need to know about global mobility.
1: In each episode, we'll be bringing you expert knowledge, hilarious anecdotes, and valuable information from our guests in the world of relocation. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to icons of relocation this week we want to introduce you to some of our icon move team and talk about our supply chain with me today is sam tool our rates and commercial pricing manager and jack lynch domestic and international move manager and of course my co-host simon johnston hello everybody how are you today
0: good thank you ness how are things (laughs) with you good introduction well done
1: no mess up there
0: (laughs) absolutely perfect as always
1: and Sam and Jack how are you both doing
2: yeah good thank you on this rainy afternoon
1: oh well we're getting closer to Christmas and we all know Simon loves Christmas
2: (laughs) I do I do thank you for raising that subject
0: so early in the year
1: (laughs) well it's a countdown now so Mm. um, uh, Sam do you want to have a quick introduction to who you are and what you do here at Icon?
2: Yes, certainly. So um, my official job title is rates and commercial manager. Um, So I basically deal with every single rate that comes out of the Icon move team, whether that be for a job that's coming into the UK, out of the UK, or a third country move. So, for argument's sake, New York to uh, New York to Singapore, I'd also deal with that. But I also deal deal with the operational side in the UK in terms of. dealing with the guys on the ground, um, making sure that vehicles, men, crews are allocated properly, professionally, and deal with any hiccups or issues that might come from that as well.
1: Amazing. Well, thanks. Thanks, Sam. And Jack, if you could give a quick introduction to the listeners on your role here at ICON and how long you've been here and so on.
3: Yeah, Thank you, Ness. Uh, my name is Jack. I've been with ICON for coming up to four years now. Working within the operations department here at Icon Move, I work closely with Sam and my colleagues to um, to assist our assignees in their in their move experience and to provide that seamless door to door experience and help help them with take, taking the burden off their move really.
1: Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Well, Simon, I'm going to start off with you because we seem to voice
3: oh, <laughs> so the first fun, question at I, you.
0: First, <laughs> I enjoy this.
1: Um, so, Simon, can you tell the listeners how long we've been offering um, moving services and give us a brief mm-hmm. history of how that began?
0: Uh, with pleasure. So the the straight answer is we formed the Icon Move in 2010, but the story goes right back before that. Uh, as I may have said before, I used to, before starting Icon, used to work for Nestle. And you might, well, what's the connection with this? Well, there was a guy that used to come in to see me on a fairly regular basis and used to sell moving services. And I got to know him really well. And of course, that was Ben. So Ben and I go back uh, a really long time. So it predates the form of Icon. So we, we've been friends and colleagues for an uh, awful long time. So we started Icon. And we started doing quite a bit of work separately. So we were doing the reload side, and then you moving, we were looking after. And then we slowly started working with Ben in some different guises. And then we we had this conversation saying, Ben, we, you're so good at what you do. This is an area that we believe we could do even better. There was a really interesting story around what we could do with moving. We can do it a bit better, certainly tying into the relocation services. Yeah. And we sat and had this cup of coffee. Well, I say cup of coffee. It was actually a beer. But we actually went through... <laughs> Went through this together, uh, and the more we talked, the more we got excited about it, and that's how the Icon Move was was formed. So that came in, I said, in 2010, and then we've just been uh, sort of building that journey ever since. So ever since then, it starts off Reela Moving being sort of slightly separate services, but as we all know, they're very combined now. So as we've gone through the years, it's become this beautiful blended services of the Reela and Moving and all other services to, together. Uh, so that's really, in a nutshell, the backstory of, of how the moving started. Um, really bound down to a beer with Ben and I a long time ago. Oh, isn't I pop, that how I'm, a
1: lot of business begins? Over a, it over is. A beer.
0: <laughs> it, it is, and it is, it's great. And I have to say, um, as I say, Ben and I go back an awfully long way. So from day one, it just clicked, and it's been clicking ever since.
1: Amazing. That is great. Amazing. Um, so, Jack, can I ask um, if you could explain to our listeners a little bit more about our con move service? What makes us different?
3: Yeah, of course. So, the best place to start really would be our people, because I believe that's genuinely what makes us strong and what makes us, what provides us our sort of unique selling point, if you will, is that Definitely. the people within our team, um, we all work passionately and together to achieve as personable an experience as possible for, for the people that we move you know we're not just moving boxes we're moving people and their and their homes and their livelihoods so it, it's a it's a very stressful time for a lot of people of yeah and it can really help to have the burden taken away from that because you know having someone there as a contact point to to share that burden really sort of helps us achieve a move where we're yeah, you know, we genuinely believe that we're in it together for the journey.
1: No, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jack. And I think that shows across all of the services at Icon that we're very passionate. It's all about the people and making sure that it's a smooth journey. As yeah, you definitely, say, yeah, definitely,
3: definitely. Because through these move experiences, you've got a lot of contact points from different people, through customs brokers to packing crews to, you know, all sorts of individuals that can confuse you along the way. So. To have that sort of one-stop shop and that one person to come to with any questions or issues, I really do think that's a strong point for us. Totally agree, Jack.
0: Nicely said, I, I totally agree in the sense of <clears throat> it's all about the team. Uh, the team is, is so good and the way we all work together is fantastic. We're all different personalities, but the end result is we deliver services up and beyond and we've seen that repeatedly. So I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you.
1: And as you say, Jack, it's quite a stressful time, isn't it, for our asanis when they're moving and packing up their belongings um are there any challenges that you've faced or any stories that you could share of how we face the challenge and how we've overcome it and how we've helped that individual family
3: well i can i can think of one just one that springs to mind sort of more recently than the others so we um we had everything scheduled for a move so we had this pre-move survey booked in where we sort of ascertained the volumes and what they plan to move all the plan done, the full spec for the move planned. And then when it came to the day before the move, no, it was the day on the move, when everything was getting packed up and taken away, the assignee says, ah, didn't I forgot to mention this. And they pull out from behind the wardrobe. It was, I don't know what year it was from, but it was like a, the technical word is a blunderbuss. So it's this pirate gun looking Mm. um, Ah, sort of thing. Now, I had no experience of moving such an item at the time. So it was quite a challenge in a situation to find ourselves in to find out what exactly the best course of action is. But the issue here was that we had already sort of got the process underway with the customs clearance side of things and trying to sort of uh, find arrangements to make everything fit in. Um, and like I say, just, just to uh, just to sort of picture what, what the, when I say Bundabus. Um, think a like a Warner Brothers in,
2: cartoon gun,
3: Jack, like you'd see think, on Bugs Bunny or something
2: like that. Yeah,
0: mm, it was a sort of precursor to exactly. the shotgun, wasn't it? In
2: think the sense of it was a,
0: an item that just put anything in there and fired off.
3: Yeah, let's just say you wouldn't find it in your average home, and it's it was certainly it was we considered to be more of an antique, and then the issue lay with you know, technically speaking, it's classed as a firearm,
1: of course. Yeah, now.
3: I had the argument of unless you're selling these micro sort of cannonball pellets in the shops, <laughs> how can you classify it as a firearm when it can't even be actively used? But anyway, so we, we, we'd eventually got a solution for that and it was all sorted in the end, but we, that, that flexible service where we say, never say never, but um, it's, it, it was, a, it was a learning curve for us, but at the same time, it's good to know that we can, sort of go a bit extra if we needed to
1: of course of course and that's a great example jack yeah that's
3: a great story jack it is
0: it is amazing what can actually happen on the backup day Uh, sam have you got any sort of thoughts around this have you got any of your own views and could you perhaps expand on some of the usps that we offer our
2: clients yeah certainly so um i've been in the industry for the last 20 years which is a, a big number for someone my age really i've been fortunate enough to work for moving companies of all different shapes and sizes from Huge multi-branch corporations in the UK, right down to small startups that we've done in the UK and over in Singapore as well. Um, so to see what Icon do compared to other companies is is quite eye-opening, really, once you're behind the curtain and you can see what really goes on. Um, I mean, the communication and the technology and the people are the three main things that I've really grown to appreciate in the, in the four years that I've been with you guys. Um, the people are never off. There's, there's the culture at the company where the customer comes first, whether it's 7 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, whatever it is. No one's telling us to. We're we're sorting those problems out as they come in just to make sure that everything runs smoothly for the customer. Um, and the technology. I mean, since I've been here, I've watched various systems be developed from the ground up. Um, when they see a problem, they they come up with a a technologically suitable solution to make it work, um, which is fantastic to see because I've never, ever had that at any other company that I've worked for, um, and it just makes the whole process run very seamlessly. That's great. Thanks, Sam.
0: Yeah, thank you. I know, Jack, you've been very heavily involved in the tech, haven't you? And it's it's something very deep to our heart, which is why we have the icon tech side of the, the business as well. But uh, just building on what Sam was saying, you've done a fantastic job in helping us with the development of the system. Do you want to expand on that for us slightly?
3: Of course. So we we jumped pretty pretty early on a pretty innovative and new case management system, which at the time was rather bare bones um, and almost lacked a little bit of industry experience. But now, having worked with the developers of of said. A management system, we're able to hone it in as to what we actually need to provide a, an excellent service for our assignees. and that would be one that's tailor-made, one that uh, helps us keep in line with our KPIs. Um, and and I think one thing that works really well is that, you know, just to link it back to the people slightly, we've we've got excellent cross-literacy between our departments, so. With the, uh, with the training schedules and such that we've got in place as well, we, we're all equipped to be able to use the systems that we have in place and be able to, uh, like I say, at the end of the day, provide that seamless experience between not only the uh, Icon Relo, between Icon DSP and Icon Move. We're all working together, uh, and these management systems really allow for that.
0: Yeah, actually, I agree with that, actually. I, I'm sorry, Ness. I, I feel I'm going to talk about data again because, you know, it's one <laughs> of my great...
3: It My has to laughs.
1: be said, come uh, on, come and go for it.
0: <laughs> yes, I can't help myself. Uh, apologies in advance. But it, it is such an interesting conversation, this, because uh, I echo what Sam said as well. We're really on this journey at the moment to make sure that we have all data in all places at all times to benefit everybody. So that whether that's our corporate client, whether that's the relocating assignee, whether it's us as a team internally, whether it's our partners. If we can actually get to the stage where we have this live ability of data flowing around, which is which basically where we are, is where we can go to next is super exciting, because we can then give some real time information to clients. We yeah. can predict certain things much better. We can actually give more accurate costings as we move through with this. If this is the, the bit I, I'm so excited about, it's I love technology. there's no secret. I think I talked about this before, but it's what people can do with the technology. It's not yeah. the tech exactly. itself. It's, what it allows us to do, what it the supports us. That it is, isn't
1: it, and how
0: Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. And I'm in danger of talking about this for the next half an hour again, because it is, it's is—it's just amazing where we can go uh, and what this will do for our clients. Uh, and that is crazy exciting. And it's, it's, it's something that we just can't maybe bring back to the table enough. It's, it is is brilliant. Uh, it just makes us more efficient as well. It makes I everybody definitely. more
3: efficient. I, 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 I totally agree, because I think the more that we can work on these systems and develop things, the more that we can... Uh, allow the people and you know everyone that we work with the opportunity to do what they do best which is to provide that sort of more personal experience and to really work on that white glove service where everything is to a high spec
1: so sam um in terms of technology for what you do do you, how is the tech that we're using how's this benefiting you And obviously, the selection of partners on the moving front, if we could go a little bit more into into explaining that, that would be great.
2: Yeah, certainly. So on on the tech side of things, first of all, um, it's just incredible how everything's so integrated. Um, So from the point of me doing a video survey with a customer, to cubing it up using our survey software, to syncing it with our CRM system, to be able to have all that information pulled through to the job sheets, and to go to my rate request to the agents. There's just not there's not the room for error that there used to be in the yeah. olden days without these systems being there. That's it, a huge um, jump
1: forward, isn't it, oh, in terms of incredible. being able just to do surveys? In,
2: that... in, in, in the last 10 years, the way that, uh, that technology has moved on in the moving industry is, is phenomenal and basically I kind of adopted every single bit of that along the way really which is uh, which is great to see. In in terms of my job it's made it so much easier than it used to be back in the olden days um, to have a central place where all my rates are stored and that anyone in the company can then have access to that information if I'm on a sick day or on a a day away from the office whatever it may be someone else can jump in and fill fill the shoes without any downtime and uh, without any any issues for any customers or potential customers that, that might cause. Um, so, yeah, it's been a real game changer, really, a real eye-opener coming to a company like Icon from some of the the more backwards-thinking, moving companies that I've been with in the past.
1: Yeah, um, but Sam, so, I mean, if we could just, sorry, just jump back into when you're talking about the video survey, could you elaborate a little bit more to our listeners, because maybe some aren't familiar with how you do a video survey, you know, the benefits behind it, if they located you know, across the pond. So if you could just go a little bit more into detail on that, um that would be great. Yeah,
2: certainly. So um let's let's go back a few years. So going back six years ago, my day would probably start about four o'clock in the morning. Um I would cover upwards of 1600 to 2000 miles a week going around visiting wow. customers in their houses so my old patch as a salesman at a previous company used to cover from Peterborough to Newcastle and Skegness to the Welsh border so you can imagine that the distance that we'd have to be going to go and see these people so yeah. um Mr and Mrs Smith would ring up and say I'd like a survey I'm in Manchester and I can do between nine and ten so that's where we'd be. We'd be knocking on the door. We'd be doing our presentation, doing the assessment in the house, and then have an hour's drive to the next one. Then the next one. Maybe you'd get four or five in in a day if you was having a good day with no traffic or any issues. Um, burn all that fuel, waste all that time, come back to the uh, office, and which uh, we won't even talk about out.
1: sustainability around <laughs> that, right?
2: <laughs> so then, then things changed. I mean, it started prior to COVID. Um, I without trying to blow my own trumpet, I was quite an early adopter to video surveys. There was a specific company that uh, turned up knocking on the door of my previous employer, telling us about these wonderful things that was gonna be video surveys and take over the industry. Quite a lot of people in the company didn't want to embrace it. I think because of my relative youth at the time, I was quite happy to, to take it on board as a project to move forward with it. So I started doing all the video surveys for that company at the time. Um, and now, in reality, since Covid, it's probably eighty percent of the surveys that we do are all virtual. So yeah. we will um we will connect with our potential customer using an app that they would download. We'd send them all the link and the information prior to the survey. Of course, they download that, we connect. The video is recorded from start to finish, so you don't have to cube up as you go along. You can really dedicate that time to the customer, have that face-to-face interaction, ask the questions, keep an eye out for all the weird and wonderful things that are in the house that we need to pack and make sure are safe, ready for the journey. Um, and the technology that we use allows us to screen share as well, so we can do our little presentations. We can show customers about how things are going to be packed and wrapped and put their mind at ease, ready for the move. Um, so it's really changed everything. It's greener. It's quicker, it's more convenient. I mean, as an example, I've got one booked in for 7 o'clock on Friday morning with a customer in Madrid that's going to be moving from there to the U.K., And it means that we can keep everything in-house because back in the day, we would be approaching an agent in Spain. We don't know really then who's going to be turning up at that customer's house. We can we can make sure that we choose a reputable partner over there who we hope is going to then uphold the icon standards and things. But by doing it in-house virtually, we know that we can uphold those standards. It's an icon representative from start to finish. All the interaction is with us. And then we can be accountable for that job as well. We can't then say, oh, an external surveyor saw this job, so it's gone over yep. volume or the access wasn't checked correctly or that mirror was missed and it should have been created. We can take full responsibility scrolls, for scrolls it. With an
1: ICON. And exactly as you say, the quality that, yeah. can be sustained and we can keep monitoring that no matter where it is um, across the globe, isn't it? Exactly. And so, is there anyone that ever objects to... Um, you know, a video survey? Have you come across anyone well, that's objected it?
2: There will always be the odd person that does. Obviously, there's customers who um, who have very, very large properties who feel that a video survey is probably not going to be for them. And we do agree with that. Look, I've been down to London this morning to, uh, to go and survey a six bedroom house in Chiswick because, from our initial phone call with the customer, we understood what was going to be involved. There's 15 items that need to be created. There's access issues, etc. We do it a pre-call with a customer and work out who is a prime candidate for a video survey and who we really need to go around and see to make sure that we can give them the service that we want to give them. Video surveys work for smaller side of the shipments the jobs that are up to let's say 500 cubic feet which is half of a 20-foot container to anyone who's not in the know Um, anything above that or for anyone who's got some really high value items um, you'll never beat a site visit but Mm. let's be honest the, the amount of site visits that we used to do that were unnecessary was a huge amount and it was very costly not just for us but for the environment and everything that goes with it so it's it's been a game changer video surveys are here to stay and anyone who's really not embracing them these days is is behind the <laughs> times. you so something about 80% that take up video surveying
0: at the moment would you say or, was, or do you, are you seeing that trend increase uh, um, and if so how can we actually so encourage the benefits of this more?
2: I would say it's higher than that. I'd say it's more like 90, 95 percent of people who right. now, if offered a video wow, survey, yeah. will be happy to take it. I mean, we've, we've all been through the COVID situation. We all we mm. all remember those times at home and doing everything on video calls with family and friends and things like that. People were doing video calls then that had never done video calls before. So prior yeah. to COVID, my uptake on offering people video surveys would have been 50 percent.
1: It's convenient, isn't it? It's it convenient so to convenient. to to the family, individual. Um, you can fit more surveys in a day. So oh, of course we can, you can. See and the and, huge benefits around it.
2: And and do them at a time that suits a customer as well. Like I say, yeah. we're doing that one with, with the customer on Friday, seven o'clock our time, eight AM the customer's time ready before she goes to work. I mean there's no there's no more taking those afternoons off to, to meet a surveyor at your house who's only going to be there half an hour anyway. It just seems so counterproductive, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, you know, It does make brilliant. perfect sense. Actually, can I just sort of go back to a conversation you mentioned earlier with um, Jack? You mentioned the, the story about the, the blunderbuss, which is a word I've, I don't think I've ever said in the last five years. So thanks for bringing that back to, to the dialogue.
1: Oh, no, um, Jack, what have you done? It's going to absolutely. be added into random calls now.
0: <laughs> we'll find a way. It's, it's the word of the day, clearly. Um, but we talk about sort of that and, and really sort of. Can you maybe still just walk us through some of the issues about what you're supposed to declare when you're you're shipping some goods from A to B? Because that, obviously that raises some questions.
3: Like that gentleman obviously hadn't realised the significance of this. Could you maybe
0: just walk us through that a bit more?
3: Sure, of course. Uh, firstly, I wasn't even aware of the word existing until <laughs> until need must. Um, but yes, yeah, so with you can look at it from two perspectives. You've got or three, I guess. You've got the what would be considered prohibited for customs clearance. Uh, you've got things that may be restricted for insure, you know, insurance, um, or or say certain clients may have their own restricted policies in terms of what they're willing to cover over the course of the move. Say some clients may may not wish to uh, cover transportation of vehicles or of pets or things like that, right? Um, but when it comes down to say the custom side of things, a lot of these prohibited items are pretty run of the mill no firearms no um no drugs no um you know things of that nature or say for example animal uh, items from a endangered species so we're dealing with a uh, with an assignee that we're moving from Chile to Spain right now uh, and we've unfortunately had to tell them that it they can't import the uh, antlers that they were planning on bringing over just due to the fact that it's from an endangered type of deer. That's just one example. But for when it comes to customs, that's that's dictated by customs. And then when it comes to the insurance side of things, that's dictated by our insurers. So we often tell assignees or request that they take any jewelry, anything with a sentimental value or any important documentation on their person when they travel. And um, when it comes to, let's say, the sentimental items, you've got, say, you know, I've got a watch that I was handed by my grandfather that to me is worth millions and millions of pounds, but to everyone on this call, it's worth less than 10 pounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, It's it's one of them where it, it's about the sort of objective value of these, uh, of these goods and the cost of replacement at destination. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the that's the complicated matter in there. So that's why we say if you could just take it on your person, then that's preferable when it comes to insurance.
1: So Jack, um, we, now that we're talking about insurance, could you give some advice to the listeners? Um, what should an assignee be listing when they're putting through the insurance? Um, and how can we help them reduce any chance of making a claim?
3: The main thing is that we have as much information at hand. As possible when it comes to providing the packing service. Uh, so if we're able to prepare and get everything packed as you know as well and comprehensively as possible, uh, ideally we you know, at the survey stage everything would be identified as you know either fragile or particularly high value, um, and and of course you know we can we can provide the extra materials or the additional support to be able to look after and give our these effects the care and attention that's needed. The packing
2: standards are always very important on any international
3: move, uh, and we, we choose our, our partners
2: accordingly, and we'll, we'll get onto that topic later, I'm sure. But one of the questions that customers always ask me is, is should we bother insuring the goods? Um, and I used to have a, a wonderful slideshow to show them in the house when I'll, I'll be sitting with them uh, and show them these terrible pictures of these container ships with, uh, with containers falling off them into the sea. Um, do you know the RAF actually used containers in the English Channel as bombing practice after they been, have uh, been taken off ships and floating around there to get rid of them? Because obviously they're a, a danger to the shipping lanes. Um, in my time, I've lost three containers. Um, so one of them did go overboard, never to be seen again. One of them got dropped from a crane at the port and opened up like a tin can on the side of the wow. docks. Not a lot survived from that. Um, and we had one container, well, container and the truck that it was on that was stolen at gunpoint um, going through the Nevada desert in the US.
3: The oh, container wow. was yeah.
2: never, ever seen again. <laughs> so we can pack these goods um, to the best of anybody's ability. I mean, we, we can we can pack the most fragile bit of China um, in a way that it's certainly going to make its way across the world. But if the container ends up at the bottom of the ocean, then, uh, then that's not going to do it much good. Yeah. So insurance is a twofold thing, really. Obviously, insurance is against damage, which we will do absolutely everything we can to try and prevent. But it's also against that total loss situation. I mean, how many times have we been on a motorway and seen a, a truck on the side of the road or in a horrendous traffic accident? These things do happen. And, and sometimes those trucks are full of people's possessions. So insurance is a very, very important part of any move.
0: I think that's a, a really interesting point, which kind of reflects back to the comment you just made before, is that we're very much a global company, as expressed with some of these uh, stories we're sharing. That we're moving goods all over the world. Which comes to the question, uh, Sam, perhaps you could express for this, how do we best choose our partners? What is our process for making sure we have got the highest quality across the board on everything, whilst also recognizing the fact that we all, all of us in the business are trying to make sure we're doing the right thing from an environmental point of view? That's quite a difficult mix, I would have thought, for you to say, how do you best
2: navigate that? So first of all um the, the the wonderful thing about Icon is we do not choose people based on price let's put it that way um uh, some of the other companies that I've been working with are, are, are over the years we've been forced to choose agents based on on how cheap their quotes are um which never ends well let's be honest you do get what you pay for um one of the re- one of the, the things about Icon is the accreditations so we are working or have been working over the last few years very very hard to make sure that Icon have all the major accreditations in the industry to prove to our customers to prove to our partners that we're holding ourselves to a high standard Um, so we want all of our partners to be of that equivalent standard so the IAM membership is the very minimum that we go for Um, It just shows that those companies have got the same ethos as us, that they've got the same working practices. Um, We're personally going through the Feedy Fame um, accreditation shortly. And that is going to then become more important to us in the new year is that we want to work with companies that hold those standards as well. But also um, from the sustainability side of things. So we are gold EcoVaris members. all of our people that we work with in the UK also hold the EcoVaris accreditation. And we're, we're trying to encourage all of our partners around the world to also go down that route. Um, when I was at the IM conference earlier this year, I had two or three conversations with uh, suppliers about reusable packaging material and uh, reducing the use of of plastics and we've assigned a move to one of those partners already just on the back of that conversation because it shows that they're trying to achieve the same things that we are. Sam we've been talking a lot about quality
0: overall and I know it's at the heart of what we do uh, across absolutely everything. Obviously as we're a global company how can we actually make sure that our partners around the world are reaching the standards that we deem are the acceptable level. How can we best maintain and manage that and monitor that moving forward? Could you give us some insight into that aspect, please?
2: Yes, certainly. So um, we have a supplier section on our system where all of our suppliers around the world are, are kept a track of. So at the end of each job, our internal move manager, so in a situation where Jack was managing it, he would get a questionnaire sent through automatically from the system. Um, The assignee would also get a very similar questionnaire where they'd be asked to rate ICON about how we've handled their move, but also the suppliers that have been involved with the packing and the delivery side of things. Those feedback forms then get sent through to me. I add them onto the system and we score each job um, out of 10 for all the different sections. And then there's a traffic light system where each supplier can be on hopefully green if they're getting very good scores all the way through. If at any time it slips down to amber, if we see that uh, a client's not been happy with something, then we have an internal discussion about it. What could have been done differently? Was it something specific that one of the suppliers did that was wrong? Or was it just something that was dependent on that move that no one could have avoided? Um, And if obviously that's the decision that we come to, then no further action. The supplier stays on our approved list and we keep working with them. Um, if during our monthly suppliers meetings, we find that, um, a supplier has made the same, make the same mistake one too many times, then we have that conversation with them. We, we get on the phone, we set up a team's call, we talk to their business owners, their operations managers, discuss the problems that we've got, see how they're going to put it right. And if we don't like the answer, we make sure that we work with a supplier that, that's going to give us the best quality and, and what we're looking for, for our assignees in the future. Um, so it's a it's a dynamic system, it's constantly changing. Of course we have our preferred suppliers that we uh, that we like to work with around the world, but if people don't perform to our standards, we will not be working with them.
0: No, I think that's a very valid comment. Actually, um uh, sort of feels like something to pass back to you, Ness, because I know you you're absolutely heart of the quality and the process as well, which kind of echoes what we're doing elsewhere across the whole of the business, wouldn't you say?
1: Definitely. Um, just echoing, as Sam says, we monitor it very closely ac- across our supply chain network, ensuring that all the suppliers maintain the high level that is expected. Mm-hmm. And we have a certain criteria across relo and moving that we expect our suppliers to be onboarded with us. Um, and we regularly have conversations with them. And I think that's where it's important that Sam and myself, where we go to regular events and meet with our suppliers so that we can go through... Um, the experiences that we've both shared across equally when we've been doing work for our suppliers, both ways with DSPs and, and other partners. Um, but yes, I can just echo exactly what Sam said. We, we monitor closely. We have a lot of internal feedback internally across both of our systems. Um, and we ensure that that standard is met. And if it's not, then it's a conversation that we have with, with those partners and seeing how best we can assist them to either come up to the standards that we expect them to be or if they're just not suitable to be working with us.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really valid comment, isn't it? Because it it is a case of actually making sure that we are working with our partners in a really productive way, in a sense of identifying Definitely. where they can falling short. If they're a company that's clearly capable, but they're having a service issue, then we'll work with them. But echoing what Sam said, if they're not onboarding this, if they're not going to reach the quality, it's everything is about making sure our clients are just absolutely happy. The experience is amazing. The journey is amazing. We're reaching those high standards. So It's great to hear from both of you. This is at the heart of everything we do. So, no, you know, it's wonderful. I couldn't agree more. It, it's an area that I think is fascinating, especially around things like reusing uh, boxes, for example. I was having a great conversation with somebody at the conference recently. Uh, about that I and mean, recycling boxes and people want to reuse boxes but then people want the fresh new box when they're being packed up themselves so it's just trying to make sure we all if we can reuse clean boxes which was a phrase that was uh, expressed to me i thought that was very interesting so there's a lot we can do as an industry and it's great to hear sam that we're right at the forefront of that it's where we should be and it's where we are working hard to be so thank you for those those insights if
3: i may with please. when it comes to sustainability one thing that i would actually be very happy to speak about is we are working quite closely with um with with, with other partners you know, to to join a new sustainability program for for the industry um which which actually helps us compensate the co2 emissions of ind- individual moves so whether that be sending a consignment by air freight sea freight or road um we're working with these partners who then in turn work with various uh, forestry partners all around the world to help plant new trees and to help provide uh, development and infrastructure in these developing countries. Um, And through developing these projects in these different countries, we actually believe that they're bettering the living conditions for the local populations and actually improving quality of life in these different places around the world. And that all starts with, like I say, working within these sustainability programs. Um, and it's all, it's all links back to the system side of things. So our reporting tools help us track these sorts of data and to allow us to, um, you know, keep in line with these, with these programs and, and to be a sort of take a, take a forward forward steps in, in the sustainability side of things. Yeah,
0: I think that's a very good comment, actually, I have to say. It's, it's something that we we take very deep to our heart. So thank you for those comments, uh, and Jack. Uh, also, uh, actually, to both of you, but maybe Sam as well, is we talked about some of the problem common problems we see in the moving industry at the moment, and there's been quite a bit in the past. We can talk about freight costs, for example, what's happened there. But could I ask, uh, Sam, is, is there anything that you would actually say is maybe some of the issues that we need to be aware of moving forward is there anything that we can see happening that anybody listening to this might
2: want to take on board? one of the um one of the biggest issues staring us in the face at the moment is the age demographic of the workforce. Um, so unfortunately, uh, the moving game is not an attractive game for a, a young 18-year-old man to get into these days. Obviously, there's much easier jobs to do rather than running up and down stairs all day with boxes and uh, travelling around the world and being away from home and things like that, which, which people don't want anymore. Um, to put it in perspective, when I started as a 16-year-old as a in the moving industry, I was trained by a 60-year-old ex-tank commander. Now, he had been he came out the forces. He didn't really know what to do. But what he did have was a HGV driving license. Um, so he got into the moving game and he, he taught everyone the right way of doing things. We'd stand to attention at the customer's door, introduce ourselves as, uh, with our, our name, say sir and madam to everyone and do an incredible job those people don't exist in the moving game anymore there's the people the people that are here still in their 40s 50s 60s with lots of experience are slowly disappearing there aren't the the younger members of society that are coming in to fill those shoes um prior to brexit we had a, a wonderful workforce especially in the london area of um Of foreign nationals who were fantastic guys absolutely fantastic a lot of them disappeared after the brexit situation and have not been replaced unfortunately um so we could find ourselves in 10 years with still lots of people wanting to move but not that many skilled removal men out there who have got 15 20 years experience under the belt who can go in and do the job that we want them to do and what the customer expects them to do um so, yeah, the industry does need to do some more to attract youth. We need to try and sell that the industry is something that a young man can get into and uh, and progress. Um, so it's a career path that when spelled out to people, it can be a good one. Um, but they, yeah. um, they have to get through those years of hard work, first of all, to get the experience under the belt yeah. to get we- to those positions.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I actually have to say, I, I think, and again, I am biased, but I think this is just one of the most fascinating industries there is. Period. Full stop. I mean, you're meeting people and you're moving around the world. The whole thing it makes you wonder why a lot of people are not understanding the value of this. So it feels like we need to do some uh, some marketing ourselves on the whole industry. So we we'll turn our guns to that in due course, I'm sure. <laughs> but it, it it is a it's a really interesting point. I have to say, I, I totally totally accept what you're saying there
2: in terms um, of on, on the road issues though i mean obviously the 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 amazon prime culture of, of today in terms of everything being next day delivery also causes a problem for the moving industry. People don't understand that things take time, that, that there aren't men and trucks sat around twiddling their thumbs waiting for the phone call if a customer wants to move the next day. We get it so many times where a customer says, yeah, great, I'm accepting the quote, I want to move on Friday. And we have to say, well, madam, it takes seven to, seven to 10 days to organise a parking suspension outside of your house. So uh, mm. it, it's not really going to be possible. So Again, it's just educating customers' perceptions in terms of what the real logistics industry is like compared to the the online ordering system that people are so used to today.
1: And I guess I that's, think- that's where it, it you know the different worlds are. We we're so advanced in technology, and the world is going faster. Everything's moving in fast pace, but yet you still have those challenges, as you just said, Sam, in being able to. You still need lead time to be able to to conduct a move, get the parking permits. Um, which is, which can be really challenging, isn't it? And obviously having an assignee accepts the time waiting period around that.
0: Mm. So it's can... a, a fun question here, because um, I always like to throw a fun question in. And obviously we're talking about technology, we're talking about Amazon, we're talking about this, and we're talking about the AI, for example, which let's be honest, is having an impact across the world on different aspects, which is a fascinating conversation and one which I actually quite enjoy embracing. Do you have any thoughts about um, this, uh, Sam, Jack? Can you start with you, maybe, Sam? Do you think AI has got a, a role to play in the moving industry? Do you think it's pretty much secondary because of the nature of what we are doing here? Do you have any thoughts around
2: that? From the customer service perspective, um, I, I think it's certainly going to play a big role over the next five to 10 years. It, it's, it's going to mean that, a customer can ask a question and get an instant answer um, on their file. As long as the AI is integrated within the systems that the company uses, in theory, a customer can come on and say, where's my stuff and what's the expected arrival time, etc." Uh, and, and get those answers straight away through a chat bot rather than have to make a phone call or send an email. We're sort of, 80 percent there in terms of what we're trying to achieve with our own crm system so that customers have got access to sign into a dashboard see a timeline of events and try and get as up-to-date information as we can give them at any one one time um but ai will sort of take over that role i'm sure the good news is it can't pack boxes can it so there's always going to be those, those human jobs for for us, us <laughs> on the road yeah so um i, I think the moving industry the, the physical side of the moving industry is ai proof um but i'd say the backroom office support will yeah it will be affected by
0: it it's interesting it sort of links into our, our cozy chat aspect as well oh, doesn't it in a sense of so, yeah yeah yeah, I can see that you're going to say it, but I had to get in there before you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it is it is it is interesting, isn't it? And for those who are not familiar with our Cozy Chat, if you've heard, heard this before, Cozy is our app, which tracks all the, the relocation and much wider aspects. And we're building a, a chat bot in it, which is called Cozy Chat, where you can just ask questions. You can, those frequently asked questions. And we're up to nudging a thousand different uh, data points now in there, just trying to give that people that information. It's a very interesting point, Sam, isn't it? That we, we're moving to a stage where somebody could ask any question they want 24-7 and get a really solid answer back instantly. It doesn't matter what the time of day is or where they are. As long as they've got a signal, um, they they can actually have a conversation with the with the systems. And I, I agree. That's where AI is clearly going to stand up until we've actually got robots who can do something impressive from picking up rocks, which is not going to be in our lifetime. Uh, it's that's going to wait
1: hopefully not
0: <laughs> i hope not because it loses something
1: of course yes. and and as we you know we are about people and we are passionate and we want to have that people engagement so yes technology is there but it's a tool for us right so it it doesn't take away the people that are involved in the whole process of relocation and moving um and we you know we want to still be seeing our our clients and and our signees face to face. I think um, it's important to build the relationship. But saying that, do you have any funny stories, um, Jack or Sam, that you can share with listeners on any Ooh. interesting things that uh, you've moved over the years or something that's gone wrong?
3: Well, I mean, I'm sure you've got plenty. We've been yeah. You go, Sam.
2: I've been in thousands of, of houses uh, across the world and, and seen some wonderful things. Um, it's amazing that people don't have the, uh, the the shame. So, yeah, you do bedroom one, you do bedroom two, and then they open the door and they say this is the sex dungeon and you have to try and keep a very, very straight face as you count how many boxes worth of uh, vibrating objects we're going to be packing up the next day, hoping everything's been locked yeah. down before the crew arrive, things like that.
3: Um, And we've had many awkward conversations with assignees on items that may have been pulled to one side during the screening process at customs that, you know, let's call them vibrating battery-powered personal items that they can't (laughs) necessarily make it through the customs. And we've had to call them to ask where they'd want them to be delivered. And there's been the odd circumstance where they've not cottoned on to the fact and said, yep, we'll have it delivered to the work address, please. Um, but then the personal aspect of that has had to be emphasized and, you know, we've gotten over that, <laughs> but yeah.
2: I mean, back in the good old days when I was on the, on the trucks, um, I think one of the best ones was, uh, was the man's mother-in-law as well. So, uh. Um, when he
1: packed her in a box.
2: <laughs> well, we, we were going, we were going round the corner and, uh, there wasn't room in the car. So we pushed her up the ramp on the mobility scooter. I tied her to the side and, uh around the corner we went <laughs> obviously in today's world of health and safety we wouldn't even dream of doing that but um yeah the things you get away with uh, back in the early 2000s <laughs> on the road yeah, it good. <laughs> That's probably a good thing,
1: and safety so. <laughs> wasn't really a big thing back then,
2: right? <laughs> no. Um, but obviously then then you, you get to the the more serious things, obviously absolutely wonderful taxidermic animals and things. I've moved full-size crocodiles in the back of vehicles, huge deer heads with antlers that six wow, foot yeah. wide, that sort of situation. Um, but also one one of the things I really enjoy now is a sort of more of a move manager is the project moves so I always remember one that I did in Singapore which um, we installed in a auction house we had to move it there so that people could go and view it before they were going to bid on it and it was a, a tabletop carved out of a tree trunk and it took 12 of us to even shift it an inch um so we had to do it at midnight dead of night in the center of singapore because we had to close a road off with high ab cranes and things to get it in protect all this marble flooring all the way through this auction house to go and set this table up and it's it's things like that that really make the job interesting obviously the the nice run-of-the-mill 20-foot container to new york is all great and and bread and butter but when you um when you get some nice project moves like that it really does make it good um I mean, going back to my days as a removal man, I can remember being the centre of Amsterdam. Um, there were two of us. We had an upright piano and it had to go to the second story and it was a spiral staircase. So it was on its end, one step at a time, up probably 30, 40 steps. I think we was at it for about two and a half hours. Um, Sam, I've just but, got
1: a, f- a vision of friends and them saying
2: <laughs> pivot. Yeah, pivot. 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 Yeah, it was a bit, <laughs> yes. we were a bit better than that back in the day. Um but but yeah, look, it's being out on the road and uh, and doing these deliveries to most most European destinations. I've been lucky enough to go and do jobs in. Um, you really do see some sights. It's a fantastic industry. I should go and do a stand up speech at some of these schools to uh, to some of the school leavers at You're sixteen to yeah. explain how wonderful it can be. Yeah,
0: you should, Sam. Absolutely, we we can make sure that happens.
2: Oh, Stories you can tell it. would be
0: fantastic. <laughs>
1: And um, Sam, you touched on pets and actually mm. it would be good, um, Jack, possibly you could de- elaborate a little bit more how we handle pet relocation. you can go a little bit more into details on that.
3: Yeah, of course. So we, we work with you know, um much like uh the specialists that we work with to provide the packing services, when it comes to pet relocations, it's far a far more delicate procedure that does require a specialist. We we would only ever, you know, work with suppliers and providers that can work in line with our expectations and, and, and what we believe you know should be the experience provided. Um we we've had we've had circumstances recently where I think we moved a 14 year old three legged black lab. But yeah the the old the old boy had three legs. And he was just, he was well looked after during the process. We get lots of pictures throughout and, you know, it, it's a real personable experience and it's just, it it can be a stressful time for the pets. You know, you can imagine all this going on, being in the cage and being sort of yeah. transported about in and out um, from the temperature controlled uh, freight where, you know, uh, on the longer haul freights to the constant water breaks and the uh, you know attention and allowing them to get out and run around where they can um it's it's about you know that 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 experience that lets them sort of be comfortable in in the relocation process you know um and, you and only it's difficult that for for,
1: yeah. for the family isn't it, or the assignees that are relocating their kids exactly. and knowing they, that yeah. they are in a safe place and being treated well um you know it's, it. it's quite daunting
3: for them too that's it and it's really reassuring to to one it it, it almost links back to that single point of contact thing where uh, that we spoke about earlier because having that base point you know and someone to rely on and someone that you've built that trust uh, in over the over the move process uh, really sort of helps the assignees uh put their mind at ease and to sort of see their you know furry companion uh, on a regular basis through pictures and updates and such uh it's it, it's it's an excellent service to be honest
1: great right. thank you jack
0: Sam, so, i mean you're obviously the man with the stories I have to say this is absolutely fantastic. I'm loving every bit of this, but at the same time, there must be many situations where you you kind of really save the day in some aspect um could you maybe sort of explore some of those and and how would you define them?
2: Yeah, so um, in the environment that Icon are working in, which is predominantly corporate, um, we're we're very lucky in the fact that we do have more of a, a managed process where saving the day isn't necessarily so important, but we still do get the odd occasion where customers um ring us up with last minute situations we've got one where we're doing it next week we've had the inquiry in from an agent overnight um a guy's got to fly home quickly before christmas and he needs to move on tuesday next week now we're very fortunate enough that we've got a number of suppliers that we work with so rather than just having to say well nope we're fully booked we can talk to different people get things get things booked in to, to help the guy out um i mean in terms of old situations that that i've been in um obviously the moving industry is so varied one of the contracts that i used to work on was with disaster recovery companies um so situations where your house has been partially burnt down due to a house fire you've had pipes burst um situations like that so i I can remember one boxing day um i've been called out on well christmas eve it happened um we got the phone call to say that a customer's house had had a house fire the oven had caught fire when they were preparing for Christmas Um, obviously the family get rushed into temporary accommodation it was my job to go in and assess what could be salvaged and work out a plan to get it out as fast as possible to a furniture restorers so that they could start uh, start putting everything right again Um, we've had other situations where those horrible floods in, in Cumbria. Can you remember those mm-hmm. a few years back? Yeah, so very well. I, I can remember spending about four weeks back to back up in there doing assessments for flood-damaged houses and things where we're trying to salvage people's valuable possessions, get them away, get them into storage, get them away from the water. Um, so, yeah, the, the moving industry it's not just moving houses and moving boxes. There are situations where we find ourselves acting a bit as a bit of an emergency service as well at the same time um thankfully with the with the work that icon does we don't get too many of those we still get situations where accounts um choose to work with another provider let's say that provider lets them down last minute and then they will come to icon and our answer is always yes we can sort that out so even this year i've been sorting out moves with 48 hours notice to make sure that a customer can be out before keys get handed over and things like that um so yeah we we're always there to try and do what we can to save those situations and and make sure that these customers aren't through put through any unnecessary stress.
0: No, that's that's fantastic. Thank you so much for Sam. It's actually quite heart wrenching when you hear some of these stories. So um it's it's amazing um what you can do. Uh, can I just actually ask uh, as as well maybe start with you Jack. It's obviously I I'm very passionate about where the industry's going, where we're going, what we're trying to do. It, it's it's a fascinating conversation but can I just ask your views? What would you say, Jack? And then, and then you, Sam. What would you see as the uh, where the industry is going to go? Can you just do a little bit of uh, future predicting for a second? Because that's notoriously easy to do.
3: Um, if you could have give your views, I'd be grateful. Of course. Um, don't exactly have the crystal ball here, but just from what we've seen and what we've worked on with uh, you know, various corporate clients is there is a bit of a tendency more so recently to go towards lump sum allowances um and really giving the power to the assignee in terms of what they do with their move experience so i think a big part a big part of what we do is educating and letting letting the assignee know what's available to them with what they have um so whether that's you know the services that we we've, we've got on offer so from icon stay to dsp to move to you know whatever it is that they need um it, it's this education that helps them work out what's best for them and guiding their hand through that process uh, you'll you'll you know through the talk about ai and things like that you'll never hopefully we'll never lose that personable touch um you know we're we're, we're talking about um new initiatives to sort of get yeah, a bit more personal nowadays and we're sam we're talking lately a bit aren't we about you know things like bringing in children's boxes for the packing service where you've got these boxes that have got small holes in to be able to you know the kids can pack their toys into and it sort of feels like they're part of the experience as well so it's all about ways that we can uh you know provide a more personable experience but also i think i think the main thing is educating um and letting people know what what they've got but in line with the question more specifically i think that's along that line of that lump sum allowance and really uh the assignee's got the power in that sense
0: uh superb boxer i have to say that is not only a prediction of the future
3: i think it's a prediction
0: of tomorrow so that's uh absolutely superb jacker sam have you got any of your views at
2: all yeah i think the industry at the moment is going through uh stage of consolidation. Um, a lot of the bigger companies are merging together because they're realising that the pie that used to be there is a shrinking pie. Um, there's not as many big corporate companies that are moving people around the world. Obviously, the work from home trend is, uh, is taken over as well. There's 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 moves that would have happened, which are just never going to happen now. There, there's no way that a US-based company is going to Pay fifteen thousand US dollars to move someone from one city to another when he's going to work from home for three days a week. It's uh, it's just not going to happen these days. Um, so, yeah, the, the industry will contract, and the, the people that are good at it will be left standing tall. And the people that have been bad at it, there, there won't be a place for them in the future. Is my take on things. Um, And Jack's entirely right about the the lump sum allowances Um, in in the private market now. We see many, many more inquiries that 10 years ago would have been a corporate managed move. But those people now are not coming through the likes of Icon. They're being given an allowance to move with and Icon would never have heard from them. So, yeah, to sum up, Simon, really, I I think um, the industry will, will get stronger because what will happen is some of the weaker elements of it will fall away. Um, and then the likes of Icon and uh, and people that really sell on quality rather than trying to sell on price will be will be left standing.
0: Well, I think that's a very good place to potentially stop the podcast, I have to say. Um, from my point of view, I have to say, Jack, Sam, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. It's a really deep insight into this. some of the stories. I, it's going to take some recovering from, but uh, they are just brilliant. <laughs> Uh, thank you so, uh, so much, thank uh, you. Ness? Thanks,
1: Jack. Thanks, Sam. As you say, it was very insightful. Thank you for
0: listening. We'll be back next time with another episode on everything global mobility.
1: If you enjoyed our show, please remember to share, comment and subscribe on your favorite podcast player or follow us on social media for more from us.